This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Jimmy. Thank you for joining me today for episode 49 of The Feed Room Chemist, where we are going to talk about cold weather feeding for our horses. So it is the third week of January, and I thought, you know, what better time than now to talk about feeding horses in cold weather? Um, You know, I I actually kind of get this question a lot. Some people don't realize that there are adjustments that need to be made in the feeding programs of horses when the cold weather hits. And there are a ton of myths out there and a lot of misinformation on what what parts of the feeding program you should change. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that we can kind of address some of those in this episode and, and answer the questions that you might be having. So, you know, it doesn't matter what part of the country you live in. Um, the, the weather in January is obviously colder than it is in July, right? So, I mean, there are definitely people that have it worse than others. I mean, you've got uh, some people that are wintering in Florida or Arizona, and their winter is definitely going to be a lot different than someone who is wintering in Montana or North Dakota or New York. So, you know, I want to make sure that everyone understands that, you know, there's not a certain temperature for a horse that means cold. You know, so someone's perception of a freezing cold day in Florida is going to be a lot different than another person's perception of a freezing cold day in Montana. But, you know, all right, perception is reality. Let's not forget that. Um, but it that perception is the same for our horses. Okay, so a horse that is dealing with, um, you know, that really cold day in Florida just because that temperature is a lot different than a really cold day in Montana doesn't mean that that horse isn't dealing with the same level of cold stress, if you will. So horses basically acclimate to the area that they live in, and they do that um, by developing what is called a thermoneutral zone. Okay, so basically the thermoneutral zone is the, the ambient temperature range that a horse can tolerate without having to expend any additional energy to maintain their core body temperature, okay? So it's that, you know, the thermoneutral zone for a particular horse is basically, you know, what is that temperature range outside where that horse's body um, maintains its normal body temperature and they don't have to either consume more feed, they don't have to shiver, they don't have to be blanketed, you know, whatever the, the things are that would cause them to have to expend more energy to keep their core body temperature um, the right temperature. So when, when we're talking about cold weather feeding, um, it's, it's usually the, what we call the, the lower critical temperature. So lower critical temperature is the bottom end of that thermoneutral zone. All right. So there's a lot of things that can cause horses to have a varying thermoneutral zone. Um, and that therefore then that lower critical temperature is going to be different for different types of horses And it's also going to be different for horses in different areas of the country, okay? So a horse that's acclimated to those Montana winters is going to have a much lower lower critical temperature than a horse that is acclimated to Florida winters, okay? So that means that that horse, you know, in Montana is going to easily be able to withstand temperatures that that dip, you know, below freezing without missing a beat. Whereas that horse in Florida, their lower critical temperature might be 40 degrees. Um, 
so there's there you know another thing to keep in mind is the the elements of the weather play a big role in that lower critical temperature okay so it's not just the temperature think about wind speed okay think about um, precipitation and humidity right moisture in the air is is really bad for a horse right it can be it can be really dangerous i guess i should say so you know I guess one thing to keep in mind is that horses can withstand cold and horses can withstand rain. But if you combine cold and rain together, that is like taking it to a whole nother level. Horses have a really hard time dealing with weather that is both wet and cold. Okay. So that, you know, that ambient temperature is going to have the biggest effect on that horse's thermoneutral zone. But just remember that, you know, the wind speed, the solar radiation, so the rays from the sun, you know, precipitation, you know, that just the, the moisture in the air, all of that is going to um, play a factor in, and play a role in how those horses tolerate and what that thermoneutral zone is and what their temperature is that they can withstand. So um, let's, let's, take an example. Um, think about a horse that has a really long winter coat. Okay. That horse is going to have a lot lower, lower critical temperature than a horse that has maybe a really slick show ready coat. Okay. So it, you know, if you've got your horse that's out just being a horse all winter long and you let them grow their, their long winter coat and they're in good body condition. Okay. That horse is going to be able to tolerate really low temperatures. But if you've got a horse that you're keeping under lights and you're keeping a blanket on and you're keeping them slicked off and you want that coat to, I mean, you want to be able to walk into a show ring, that horse is not going to be able to withstand that same temperature range as the horse with the big fluffy coat, okay? Um, another thing to keep in mind is that just the, the body condition of your horse is going to affect how well they tolerate the cold. Okay, so horses that have a lot of flesh, a really good body condition, maybe are a little bit on the chubby side, they're packing a, a little bit of extra uh, body condition. Okay, those horses are going to tolerate the cold much better than horses that are in poorer body condition. All right, so, you know, it's really common. Um, I would say that that senior horses are probably some of them of the horses that suffer the most during winter months. And that's kind of a twofold thing that happens. So first, a lot of times senior horses teeth are in poor condition and they're not able to properly um, utilize the forage component of their diet. And the other thing that happens is sometimes the forage that we feed them, particularly if we're feeding grass haze, um, we can run into times where there are some pretty poor quality grass haze that are available to feed our horses. And so if you've got a senior horse that number one, doesn't have good teeth or has a hard time chewing anyway, number two, has poor quality grass hay. And then number three, because they're a senior horse, their ability to break down, digest and absorb nutrition declines. So you've got all three of those things working against that horse. Well, they then start to lose body condition. And one of the things that makes it more difficult for a horse to maintain their core body temperature in the cold is if they are a little bit under conditioned. So if you've got a horse where you're starting to see a little bit of ribs, maybe their top line is really starting to fall off. Those are signs that that horse's body condition is dropping. And that horse then is going to have a much more difficult time through those cold weather months um, than a horse that is, is maintaining good body condition. And then another, I guess, another example, as we're thinking about horses, you know, the differences in how they tolerate the cold, keep in mind that adult horses 
are much more tolerant to cold temperatures. So they can withstand cold weather much better than young horses, right? So if you've got, you know, weanlings, yearlings, you know, out, um, make sure that they've got plenty of shelter. They just, they're not going to be able to tolerate the same type of temperatures that mature adult horses are. So those are just some things to kind of keep in mind. So what do you do, um, you know, or what is what happens to a horse when the weather does dip below that lower critical temperature? Well, and actually before I go there, what is a lower critical temperature? Like what's an example? That range um, can vary pretty dramatically. I mean, for some horses, that lower critical temperature could be 40 degrees. For other horses, that lower critical temperature could be minus 15 degrees. And I'm talking Fahrenheit here. Sorry, I know I've got a lot of listeners that are outside of the United States, and so they they work in Celsius. Um, so I'm going to let you guys just Google your own conversions there because I don't know those off the top of my head. But um, so 40 degrees Fahrenheit could be a lower critical temperature. Negative 15 degrees Fahrenheit could be a lower critical temperature for another horse. Okay, so again, it's all about what that horse, number one, has adjusted to in that particular climate or environment. And then number two, what they are dealing with as far as what their body condition is, their age, um, you know, all, all of those other factors. Um, you know, do you live in an area where it's really windy? You know, do you live in an area that has a lot of direct sunshine? Okay. So it can be really cold outside and, um, Animals, if you watch them, um, I remember actually um, in one of my graduate classes, we were talking about this where some studies had been done on, um, I can't remember if it was cattle or deer, but it, it was in Montana and they were looking at how those animals respond to the sun. And on those cold days, those animals will actually stand broadside to the sun. And the reason that they innately do that is because this, they want more surface area of their body to be in contact, in direct contact with the sun's rays. So that solar energy that's hitting that horse or that cow or deer or whatever, um, you know, if, if that sun is directly shining all along the side of that animal, it's going to help them maintain their core body temperature without actually having to expend any energy of their own. So the same thing actually works for wind, okay? So if you watch um, horses in the wind, their rump, their hind end is typically larger. They will turn their hind end um, into the wind so that the wind blows towards their bottom. And that basically helps then shelter everything forward, okay? So their shoulders, their neck, their head, because their hips generally stick out farther than, the, than their shoulders, um, the wind actually um, kind of bypasses. It's like the natural physics of how the wind hits them. Um, it actually helps keep their body a little bit warmer by turning their tail into the wind. Um, buffalo are actually the opposite. So <laughs> buffalo will actually go head first into the wind because their shoulders are the broadest part of them. And so they let their head and shoulders take the brunt of that wind and it basically deflects it off of the rest of their body moving backwards. So it's interesting how animals have developed and evolved and or were made, you know, to be able to tolerate these different weather conditions. So, okay, let's say that the weather dips below a horse's lower critical temperature. Okay, at that point, they start to make physical changes on their own. All right. So one is, you know, turning um, their body, their body position, you know, either going broadside to the sun or turning their, their butt to the wind. Um, they could start to shiver. Okay. They could, um, they're most likely going to go seek shelter. All right. So it's, uh, you know, you should always, 
if at all possible, try to make sure that your horses have shelter. Um, what, even if it's just a windbreak, um, if you live in a windy area, if you live in an area that gets a lot of rain, make sure you've got something with a roof over it. You know, maybe you don't get wind, but you do get rain. Maybe, maybe you need that air circulation in the summertime. Having shelters out there that at least provide that shade, so that roof that gives you that shade in the summer and a break from the rain in, in um, the rainy times, that's a good option. You know, there's other parts of the climate where wind is the biggest or other parts of the country where wind is the biggest thing. And so they maybe don't get a lot of rain. Um, that's kind of what it's like where I live. I get a lot of wind and I get no rain. So, you know, a lot of our um, pastures for the cattle and for the horses and um, pens are set up to make sure that we provide really good windbreak for those really cold north winds. Um, not everything has shelter necessarily for rain, um, but the windbreak is a major priority in, in our operation. Um, so as those horses are making those physical changes to the way that they stand and, you know, physically shivering, you know, if, if they're trying to warm, they also, another thing that they do is they will actually start to eat more. And um, kind of the rule of thumb is that, so the, the, the energy requirements, the digestible energy requirements, which, so digestible energy is, is the correct term for calories, basically. The calories are going to increase uh, one and a quarter percent for every one degree Fahrenheit that you drop below that lower critical temperature. Okay. So if, if your horse, if their lower critical temperature is, you know, say 20 degrees and the weather is going to be 10 degrees, you, you need to make sure that you account for those increases in their calorie needs or in their digestible energy, energy requirements. So again, that was one and a quarter percent increase in those calorie needs for every one degree Fahrenheit drop below the critical, lower critical temperature. Okay. So the best way to meet that increasing need is going to be just provide them with more hay. Okay. So hay, it, hay creates more metabolic heat during digestion. Therefore, it has a much bigger effect on warming that horse from the inside out. So, you know, the other thing that happens is, you know, when the weather dips below that lower critical temperature, horses have kind of this innate sense to spend more time eating. So again, make sure that if you're going to increase anything in that diet, make sure that you're increasing the amount of hay that you're offering at each feeding. Okay. Um, you know, I try to keep it to where my horses have basically got continual access to hay. Um, now they're not all out there eating on a big round bale or anything like that. I still hand feed morning and night, but I make sure that the volumes that I'm feeding are enough that they have hay throughout the entire day or night until I come back to that next feeding. So my rule of thumb is when I come back to do my next feeding of hay, I want to make sure that there's just a little bit of hay left over that if they wanted to go eat it, they could. Um, if I'm coming back and my horse is cleaning up every single piece of hay that I've offered, that's a big clue that I'm not feeding enough forage. I'm not feeding enough hay. So I then make sure that I bump it up a little bit. Um, now I don't want to see, you know, flakes of extra hay laying around. We don't want to be wasteful. That's obviously money on the ground that I also don't like to see. So it's kind of a fine balancing act of making sure that you're feeding enough where they don't feel like they've got a limited supply. They have access to it all the time. And so 
on those cold weather days, when the weather gets colder, I know that cold weather's coming, I always increase the amount of hay that I'm feeding. And I mean, it's like clockwork, those horses in that cold weather, they, they clean it up, they really do increase the amount of hay that they eat. And when they do that, again, they're basically what's happening is they are the when they digest and process hay within their body, forage creates a lot of heat, creates a lot of metabolic heat. And so that heat basically is allowing the, that horse to, to warm themselves from the inside out. Now, something that is kind of a, a myth or a misnomer, some people will say, um, oh, you know, the weather's getting cold. I need to feed more grain. And they think only from the calorie standpoint, right? Because I had mentioned that when the cold weather hits, um, and you get below that lower critical temperature that their calorie needs increase. Well, sometimes people go straight to grain and they think, well, I'm just going to like double the amount of grain I'm feeding or I'm going to feed more. That is not um, the best route to go because grain or concentrate meals don't produce as much metabolic heat as the forage meal does. Okay, the other thing that can happen is um, depending on what you're feeding, if you happen to be feeding, say, a textured feed or a sweet feed or something that's high in starch and sugars, by dramatically increasing the amount of starch and sugar in that concentrate meal, all of a sudden you can actually cause some of those undigested um, starches and sugars to bypass into the hindgut, which can actually be pretty um, damaging and, and bad for the microbiome and the microbes that live in the cecum. That can actually cause your horse to colic. Um, it could lead to uh, founder or laminitis. So there's just a lot of bad things that can happen if you were to you know, push a big um, amount of extra grain on top of a horse's diet um, when they're not used to it. So again, if you're increasing anything, make sure that you're increasing hay. You can't, you can't go wrong with that. That's not going to damage anything. That's not going to, um, you know, you can't, you're not going to hurt a horse by feeding them more hay. Um, depending on what you're feeding for grain, it is possible to do damage by um, dramatically increasing that amount. Now, again, I, I want to make sure I'm clear here, not all grains that you feed. So if you're feeding a really high fiber, low starch, um, feed, then you're going to, that's going to be a lot safer to increase, to bump up if you need to versus something that's maybe a sweet feed or oats or corn, something like that. Um, another thing that I want to make sure you guys don't forget about is water. Okay. So many, many, many horses stop drinking adequate amounts of water when the weather turns cold. All right. So there's actually been research done that, you know, if, if you offer horses um, icy water versus, you know, more normal, you know, tempid type water, they actually choose that warmer water. They will actually limit their water intake if there's white ice in their buckets or in their troughs. So, you know, if you couple that then with um, the increased dry matter intake that they're going to be eating from all that extra hay that you're going to be feeding. Okay. So if you've got, they're eating more hay, which means they're taking in more dry matter. And then if their water is icy, that means they're drinking less water. Okay. So more dry matter, less water. That is a bad combination. All right. That right there is a recipe for impaction colic, dehydration, um, that is, you want to avoid that. <laughs> okay. So those horses, um, you know, especially those horses that tend to go off of their water when it gets a little bit cold or icy, um, if it's possible, try to use heated water buckets. Um, if you've got tanks, try to put tank heaters in those tanks and just try to keep that ice off of the water if you can, especially for those horses that are notorious 
for stopping um, or for limiting their water intake when it gets really cold. Um, another thing that you can do too, just to help encourage horses to drink during cold weather is you can use a metabolic pH balancer. So I really like um, one by Stride Animal Health. It's called TurboMag BCAA. And it basically, it's a metabolic pH balancer. It helps um, increase the amount of water that horses drink. Okay, so it encourages them to drink, number one. But then it also helps um, maintain the right fluid balance within their digestive tract. Okay, so um, it's going to, to help assist those horses that are maybe more prone to impaction colics and, and those dehydration type issues. So it's, it's a really good supplement to keep on hand. And it's, it's, it's really inexpensive for the benefits that it provides. Um, another thing to consider is blanketing, okay? So not all horses need to be blanketed, but some certainly do, okay? So if a horse is in really good body condition um, and they've been allowed to grow a full winter coat and they have shelter and they're acclimated to their climate, those horses don't need blankets, okay? In fact, um, I mean, your horse's hair is a really, really good insulator, so basically the way that that hair functions is the hair follicle, um, it springs that hair up and it makes it stand on end. And so the, the length of that hair, basically um, it traps body heat. Okay. So you've, you've basically got trapped body heat acting as an insulating layer among all of that hair. Now, on the other hand, let's say your horse is kept under lights or you have them clipped or they've got a really thin, slick coat, um, you're definitely going to want to make sure that you've got some good blankets on hand. Um, the blankets are definitely going to be a necessity in that situation. So another time that your horse might need a blanket is, um, you know, if he is a little bit underweight, okay, if, if you've got maybe a senior horse that's really struggling through the winter and they're a little bit underweight. Uh, maybe you've got a rescue horse that you've brought in that came to you in poor body condition. Um, anytime that horse is just not carrying the weight that you want them to carry, um, they would be a good candidate for um, having a blanket just to help them um, because their thermoneutral zone is, is not going to be as tolerant to those colder temperatures. Um, other horses that might need blankets would be, you know, if you don't have shelter for your horse and you live in, a, in an, an environment that is maybe really cold or really windy, really windy and cold, maybe wet and cold, you know, whatever the combination is. If you don't have, if your horse doesn't have access to shelter, um, there may be certain points where, where it makes sense to use a blanket and give your horse that extra little support for controlling their um, body temperature. Um, and then just definitely always make sure that you select the blanket, you know, the right blanket for what you're trying to, to accomplish. Um, you know, if, if you live in a very rainy climate, make sure that you have an outer blanket that repels water. Um, you know, if, if you live in a climate that gets really, really cold, you know, make sure that, that you've got one with a good, um, you know, density. I can't remember what, how they measure blankets, but there's basically, you know, different thicknesses and weights and densities and fills and all of that. So just make sure that you're selecting the right material for the right weather and then change it. Right. So, you know, um, if a horse has a blanket on, they are going to need a different weight or material of blanket if it's, you know, 10 degrees out versus if it's 29 degrees out, right? Or if the sun's really shining or if the wind's blowing, all of that's going to, going to come into play. So, you know, I think a lot of us have, um, 
you know, our phones have like real feel temperatures or it tells you what it feels like outside when it takes into account, you know, the wind chill and the actual ambient temperature. Um, pay attention to that real feel or what that, you know, what it feels like outside, what those um, the weather reporters are telling you there, because that's what your horse is feeling. And then adjust what you feed and adjust what you're putting on their body as far as blankets if needed um, to what those real feel temps might be. And then definitely just make sure that you check that your blankets are sized correctly um, and that they're not rubbing on that horse, you know, especially on their shoulders. Make sure that they're able to, um, you know, put their head down and eat properly without, you know, the blanket cutting off um, under their neck. Make sure it's not, you know, cutting into their weathers. Make sure it's not rubbing on their shoulders. Just all of those things. Um, be sure to take those blankets off daily. You know, brush your horse. Look for wear spots. Um, you know, that's one thing. Sometimes um, people, especially when the weather's a little bit cold and they don't want to ride, they might throw blankets on and then just leave them on and they don't take them off and they let those horses just be horses. <laughs> and then they come back seven days later or 10 days later or whatever, and they take the blanket off for the first time. And then they realize, oh my gosh, either my horse had something under its blanket, you know, or it was rubbing and I didn't know it. You know, there's just all kinds of things. So just keep that in the back of your mind, take your blankets off and take good care of your horses and look for spots. But, um, so, you know, just generally speaking, when the weather gets cold, the biggest things that you can do are make sure that your horse is drinking number one. And you can do that by making sure that the water stays free of ice. So by using heated buckets or tank heaters, um, and then increase the forage that you feed. So increase the amount of hay that you offer to your horses during the cold weather, and that will help them increase the metabolic heat production within their body as they digest that hay, which will then help warm them from the inside out. So I think that um, takes care of all of the points that I wanted to cover with cold weather feeding. Um, Again, if, if you guys feel like this episode benefited you in any way, I encourage you to please share this through social media. Um, I, I, I'm sure you've noticed we're, what, 49 episodes in. I'm sure you've noticed we aren't, you know, putting ad spots in, in these episodes for you guys to have to skip through. And um, so just really, it helps us a lot if you just would share this information. You know, we're really big about making sure that people have um, educated information available to them. So if you could share this um, with any of your horse friends, it would sure make us happy. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends, post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.